believe that he's worthy. Come on, this is your opportunity to let him know. Come on, from the bottom of our hearts. Pentecostals lift him up right now. worship service. This isn't entertainment. We're here to glorify God. We're here to exalt Him. This is the reason we came today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're worthy God. You're excellent Jesus. You're mighty oh God. You're incomparable Lord. There's none beside thee Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We honor you, God. We exalt your name today, Jesus. In a world that curses your name today, we exalt your name, Lord. In a world that dishonors your name today, we bring honor to your name today, Lord. You are the only one worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I wish somebody would give him one more hand clap of praise today. what I came to church for. I'm glad you're here, but I came for him. I'm here to let him know today that he's worthy. The times he's healed me, the times he's protected me, if he never does anything else for me, he's still worthy. He redeemed me. He died for me, filled me with the Spirit. Hallelujah, you're worthy of it all, God. Every good and perfect thing cometh above. Thank you, Jesus. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. I need to be reminded that it was not of my own talent, my own ability, or anything I could have done on my own. It was by the mercy and the grace of God that I'll ever have a shot at dancing on streets of gold. He's worthy of it all. He is worthy of it all today. It's so good to see each of you in the house of the Lord. Amen. Today, we want us to uh, keep Brother uh, Neri in our prayers. Brother uh, Neri is overseas today. He's 
foreign lands. Promised him and his family today we would pray and keep him in our prayers. And I believe he's going to be watching at some point uh, service today online. And so, my brother, we are praying for you. Glad that you arrived safely and um, in Honduras. Believe in God for him to touch you and all those that may be with you today. Amen. Amen. As we are seeing the coming of the Lord moving ever so rapidly closer, the world is shrinking and that is playing in our favor. There was a time when we built a church in Fuquay Arena. You were very isolated. You were reaching that community, that group of people, that demographic and that culture. But as the world shrinks on any given week, there may be six or seven different nationalities that we reach either through our service, overseas, online, through Hope Ministries, many different nationalities and countries. And I believe that is the precursor to the end time revival that a group of people right here in North Carolina could have an impact around the world. I know on most Sundays uh, there is a group of people that meets in Africa in a small adobe that watches our service online every Sunday and I'm thankful for that and I'm thankful for our AV team that makes that possible. friend we pray for you today in Honduras God's hand would be upon you uh, before I get into the word of God I do want to I want to encourage our church recently at our general conference our pastoral team met for several hours strategizing planning praying uh, casting vision investing in one another for the coming year uh, the number one thing that each of our pastoral team including myself felt that God was leading us to improve in and uh, and do a better job of, and that is something I'm going to address this morning, and that is our pre-service prayer. We live in an extremely distracted, busy, caught-up world. Each of you have so much going on. It's incredible how much will happen in your life from 7.30 Sunday morning to the start of service 10 o'clock. And so many times without coming in at 9.30 and spending time talking to God. Someone say to God, not my neighbor. Your neighbor can't give you a miracle. Your neighbor's not going to heal your body. Your neighbor's not going to give the victory you need. After service, I don't care if you stay all day long talking to your neighbor. From 9.30 to 10, if your neighbor starts talking to you, you say, you know what? I've got an appointment with God from 9.30 to 10. I'm going to talk to him after service. I'll talk to you all day long. And so there's so much that goes on on Sunday morning. We have designated, and, and we're going to do a better job of this. From 9.30 to 10, our sanctuary lights will be dim. There will be music playing. There will be slides conducive to prayer. And we're asking you to be here from 9.30 to 10 and praying in preparation and getting yourself ready to receive what God wants for you. As your pastor, let me tell you what happens when you're not here praying from 9.30 to 10. You show up at about 10.45. I see you there at 10, but you ain't there. It's 10.45 before you join those that have been here since 9.30. Mentally, spiritually, emotionally, you're late to the party and you're missing so much. 
We're only giving God a little while on Sunday morning and we definitely got to give Him all of that. And so I'm challenging you, set your alarm a little earlier. Do whatever you got to do. Join us here at 9.30 from 9.30 to 10 uh, in prayer and preparation for what God's going to do in service. I'm encouraging all of my leaders, our United Student Council, uh, our hyphen leaders, Sunday school teachers, uh, parents, you're just going to have to get mad at me. If you get mad, just bring it to me because I'm telling them that I'm, I'm asking them to do this. If you see one of our children, young people, young adults out there uh, socializing from 9.30 to 10, and you're one of their leaders, you just go by and say, hey, just want to remind you that this is our conversation time with God. Let's get on in the sanctuary and talk to God. I don't know of a parent that's going to be upset about that, but if you do, come talk to me. We're trying to get them saved around here. We want them to go to heaven with you. We want them blessed. And we want church to matter to them and for them to get the most out of it that they possibly can. And so, so much of that goes into preparing your heart to receive God's Word. Ain't nothing wrong with the seed. Nothing wrong with the Word. It's the soil that needs to be right and ready. And I want my heart to be ready to receive God's Word. And so whether that's from 9.30 to 10 on Sunday morning or if it's our uh, second Sunday service, third Sunday night service, second Sunday night service, third Sunday night service, when we would meet here at 5.30, then be here 30 minutes prior to that. And uh, I want to get all that God has for me. And so I'm challenging you to take that time and do that. Second Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2. Verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. One of the ways you can do that is verse 16. Shun profane and vain babblings. For they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth the canker of whom Hymenius and Philemus. Two individuals that demonstrated this. Who concerning the truth have erred. Where have they erred? saying that the resurrection is past already. And because some of them was listening, they were overthrown the faith. Some of them's faith was overthrown. Verse 19, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His. Woo! I like that. The Lord knoweth them that are His. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, someone say great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor, and some to dishonor. Final verse, if any man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and when he has arrived at that place, meet for the master's use. That means serviceable, able to be used in the hands of the master and prepared unto every good work. That's where I want my life to be. That's where I desire to reside. I want to preach a little while this morning on this subject, value of the vessel.
value of the vessel. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your presence. Your word is anointed already, God. Help me to impart and communicate your word. And more importantly than anything, God, help your people to receive that word. My God, that you may touch them. Father, that you may direct and lead them and draw them to where you desire them to be. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody say amen. You may be seated. If I were to ask you today to determine the value of a large ocean liner, a large ship, I'm not talking about a John boat. I'm not talking about a fishing bass boat. I'm talking about a, a large vessel in the ocean. If I were to ask you, how much is this worth? How would you go about doing that? Well, thanks to the almost unlimited resources of the Internet, you can, with a few clicks of the mouse, determine the value of a car or a house. It's much easier to do that. You can simply go online and look around surrounding properties. You can go online and check Carfax or any number of Kelly Blue Book uh, websites and find out how much a car is worth, mileage, condition, all of those things. Are, or even a house, it will not take you long to find out how much a house is worth. But how about if you were going to determine the value of a large cargo ship that we're going to picture here like the sail of a formal carnival cruise ship now I've, I've seen people go on facebook marketplace but i don't know that anyone has bought on facebook marketplace a former carnival cruise ship probably not porch pickup but a former carnival cruise ship as shown here was listed for sale. How do you go about finding out how much that is worth? Or how much this ancient pirate ship pictured here is worth? How do you go about appraising that? In the marine industry, it's called vessel valuation. It's when you are attempting to determine the value of a large boat or a ship. Now, unlike determining the value of a house or a car that can be easily inspected or reviewed, a large vessel in the ocean is not so easy to determine how much it is worth. In fact, I was shocked to find out that until recent years, the value of a ship really came down to the quality of the story that could be told about this boat. Brokers and owners would essentially run a million-dollar rumor mill regarding various vessels. Stories would be woven together by previous owners with little to no verification or any way to validate this vessel's history. It's kind of like buying a horse. You really don't know. It's just it really comes down to how well the storyteller can tell the story. Like a grand auctioneer embellishing the features of the ship, they would attempt to drive the value up without any real, tangible, reviewable facts about the boat. So how much you were able to get for the large vessel you were trying to sell 
really came down to how well you could spin the story. This resulted in, as you might imagine, a very subjective estimate. And oftentimes, people would pay far more than they should because they ran across a good storyteller. You ever seen a used car salesman? One owner, grandma would drive it to the IGA and back every day. You ever seen Andy Griffith when Barney buys his first car? When you buy a vessel until recent years, that's kind of the way it was. It was really about how well you could tell the story and convince somebody of its worth because there was really no way of actually knowing. No company, no institution, no corporation that was responsible or specialized in finding the value of a vessel. However, there is now, all of you that are out shopping for yachts right now, I'm glad to report to you there is now a company called Signal Ocean. Signal Ocean. It specializes in determining the value of large vessels. I don't see myself, Pastor Barbara, ever needing their services. How much can I get for my John boat? But for those of you that got money falling out your pocket this morning, take note. Signal Ocean. David Watt is the vice president of Signal Ocean, and he recently wrote an article on how to determine the value of a vessel. Now, several key indicators have to be analyzed when determining the value of a vessel. And when I began to read this, the question came to my mind, is how does God determine the value of a vessel? I know and can read and will cover in a few minutes what David Watts does when he goes to determine the value of a vessel. But my question is, is how does God determine the value of a vessel? What indicators determine if a vessel is, as the Word of God states, meet for the master's use or usable or of service to the master? How does the master determine if a vessel is of honor or dishonor? Our text today is using descriptive terms referring to probably utensils in a house. More like serving utensils. Yet, notice all of these vessels are in the house. They're in the same house. And even the vessels described as vessels of dishonor are in the house. And with further study, seem to apply to not broken, but ordinary wood or clay utensils. It's not as if... They were broken and can't be used and should have been thrown out. But when it comes to serving the master, they were not worthy to be in the hands of the servant to hand to the master. And when he would reach for a vessel, it was not the common or dishonorable vessel that he would reach for, but the master would reach for those that had prepared and committed and postured themselves so that the master could pick them up and be used in his kingdom. Now, although dishonorable vessels were in the house, 
They were mired in mediocrity and they had not put the work in or allowed others to put the work in so they could serve the master. Maybe these utensils were brought out when common strangers would stop in for a meal. Maybe these utensils were brought out when the in-laws showed up. But the good china, the honorable vessels, the honorable serving utensils were not brought out for anybody but the master. These vessels belonged in the hands of the vessel, of the master. Now, what makes an honorable vessel? Regardless if you're referring today to a vessel found in the kitchen or if you are referring to a vessel found in the sea, let me remind you both are designed to carry and to transport things of value. One thing I can say for sure, and I want to remind everyone of this today, there is no greater honor on this planet no greater accomplishment, no greater achievement than being a vessel that the master finds worthy to use. The greatest thing that could ever happen to you is to feel the cold chill bumps of calling running down your spine and know that God is calling you. Know that God is dealing with you. Know that God is drawing you into a service, into his kingdom into a place of service, whether it's a volunteer or leadership role, it matters not. The greatest calling and honor and accomplishment that you will ever have is to know the master of the universe wants to use you. The greatest honor of your life is when God chooses to use you for the edification, for the encouragement, or the advancement of His kingdom. Listen to Pastor Well. If you trade in your job of cleaning the bathrooms of the church to be the CEO of a large corporation, I got news for you. You've been demoted. You weren't promoted. You were demoted. Because the greatest job that we've got is serving the master. The greatest accomplishment that we will ever have is being in service to the master. God, what can I do for you? God, how can I serve you? How can I serve your people? How can I serve your kingdom? That's the greatest accomplishment anybody will ever have. Brother White told me this week, and I hope you don't mind me saying this. I don't suspect he will. Brother White told me this week, and I believe it was probably God who was speaking to him. He said, I remember a time, Pastor, when I would go to the church one day a week, and I would just work at the church. He said, I'm about to start doing that again. You know what he did? He just gave himself a promotion. That's why you get to work for yourself. When you work for yourself, you get to give yourself a promotion. I've had people come up to me and say, Pastor, I just got a promotion at my job, so I'm not going to be able to do this around the church anymore. You know what I wanted to say? You didn't get a promotion. You got a demotion. You go in the wrong direction. 
You're going down the rung. You're descending. You're not ascending. Why? Because the greatest thing that you can do is work for the master. The greatest accomplishment and achievement and trophy you can have on the shelf is to know I'm a servant to the master. I may clean. I may work outside in the yard. I may not have a leadership position or recognized or seen, but I work for the master. That's the greatest job that there is. My mother, when she was a child, she was in elementary school, and uh, they were going around the room, and uh, they were saying, what does your daddy do for a job? And, uh, of course, you know, I'm sure there were several girls whose fathers, you know, were maybe prestigious in the community or well-known, and they got around to my mom. And she said, my daddy owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Let me tell you something. There is no greater honor and no greater service than to say I work for the master of the universe. The creator of the heavens and the earth, I call him father. I clock in every single morning and I talk to him. I work for him. He has the greatest reward. He has the greatest benefits. It's the greatest place to work for the kingdom of God. Ananias was concerned when the former murderer Saul. Now Paul was being chosen by God. Imagine a man running around murdering people in the church. And then a little bit later, the pastor says, Hey, guess what? The murderer's now going to preach. Might have some opposition there, Pastor Barber. Ananias was more than just a little concerned. Listen to the fear in his voice when he says in Acts chapter 9, verse 13, Then Ananias answered, said, Lord... I've heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. God was like, that's all? That's all he gets to do? That's it? Verse 15, I'm about to give him promotion. But the Lord said unto him, Ananias, you go thy way. You worry about yourself. For he, has cho- he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. Saul, you may have been able to command thousands of soldiers, but that's nothing compared to bearing my name. That's nothing compared to being a witness. I'm going to put you before kings. I'm going to put you before nations. I'm going to use you to turn the world upside down. Hey, I want you to be successful on your job. I want you to have influence. I want you to get a big title on the door, but I'm going to tell you nothing compares to being in the service of God. Nothing compares to the master reaching over and picking you up and being in service to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I want to tell our young people, don't be impressed by people that make millions of dollars running up and down a field or throwing a ball into a hoop. Be impressed by people that show up Sunday in and Sunday out and they serve and they give and they pray and they love because they're working for the master. That's our heroes. That's who we look to. There is no greater job than serving God and God's people. 
I got the best job in the world. Everyone out there is jealous of me. Everyone out there wants my job. I work for the master. I work for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I work for the one who spoke the worlds into existence. I call him boss. He leads and guides me. He pays me. He rewards me. I got the greatest job in the world. I was struck by the similarities that I found when reading what Signal Ocean looked for in a vessel and what God looks for in a vessel. And so if working for God and being a vessel for God is the greatest job on the planet, I'm putting in my application. I want it. God, whatever you need, I want to do it. Whatever you need around here or done, I want to do it. And so, as I began to read the qualifications for what David Watts and Signal Ocean would look for in a vessel to evaluate its worth, I was struck by the similarities in what God looks for in a vessel that He wants to use, and He wants to feel, and He wants to transport cargo with things of value god is not wasting valuable anointing on somebody that's not worth it it's too precious and so as i began to look at this i was struck number one david watts says this when i'm looking at a vessel trying to determine how much is worth i first of all Take in account the capacity or the size of the vessel. How much room does the vessel have to carry things of value? Obviously, a tugboat that you can just throw a couple of boxes in ain't near as much, worth near as much, as an ocean liner that you can put tons and tons of cargo on. And so one of the first things he determines and looks at is how much can it carry? How much capacity does it have? In turn, you know what makes a vessel serviceable for the master's use? You know what makes a person honorable? Spiritual capacity. How much room does the vessel have for God? You know why pastor opened up service today by encouraging you to pray before service it increases your capacity for that service i'm trying to get you to get as much out of church as you possibly can because there's a devil out there that don't go on vacation he don't take days off he's going to hit you every single day with temptations and snares and lies he's an accuser of the brethren i promise you uh, he is a formidable opponent now, you've got enough power in you to take care of him. But if you come to church and you're playing games and you're paying bills and you're doing something else and you're not able to hold what God's trying to give you, then you're roadkill all week long. And so what I'm trying to get you to do is be here at 930 and get some of that stuff out of your mind. Get some of that stuff out of your spirit. Increase capacity so that when God's spirit and anointing begins to move, you can retain it, you can hold it, and then through the week you can use it and pull from it. What did Jabez pray 
In 1 Chronicles chapter 4 and verse 10, And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed and enlarge my coast. God, I want more room. I want to enlarge my faith. I want to enlarge my capacity. If I'm going to become more valuable to the maker, if I'm going to be a vessel that God can pour his anointing and his spirit in, and I can have miracles and signs and wonders in my life, I got to have room for what God wants to do. There are people that are praying for miracles right now and you ain't even got room to receive it. You're asking God for something right now that you don't even have the capacity to actually receive what you're praying for. Can I tell you today, if you want to be a vessel that God reaches over and picks up and blesses and anoints and uses, you've got to increase spiritual capacity in your life. And God granted him that which he requested. Increase my capacity. You want to know who God uses to reach this world? You want to know who God pours his anointing into? Those whose lives are not so crammed full of the temporal, the meaningless, and the mundane things of life, leaving absolutely no room for quiet times of solitude. When is the last time that you sat in silence and meditated on the things of God? When is the last time that you sat in silence reading God's Word for more than a minute or two? When is the last time that you got lost in your personal prayer life? Can I tell you today, increasing spiritual capacity is the surest way to get God's anointing and blessings and miracle in your life. You've got to make room for it. Those that have created time in their daily schedule to just sit and listen to God, those that have created the space in their schedule, the capacity in their cranium, I promise you God's going to bless them. God's going to minister to them. God's going to feel them. God help me as Jabez prayed to enlarge my coast and increase my capacity. Here's the reality of it. For some of you, if God wanted to speak to you, you'd have to schedule an appointment and wait in line. Come on, somebody. You have no capacity. You have no space in your vessel. It's full of laundry and work and bills and Netflix and kids' schedule. And life, not just grossly immoral things, just life. And so you know what happens is you pull up every Sunday morning and you dock your vessel up at 2317 NC Highway 42. And you dock it up and you say, oh, Lord, I need a blessing. Lord, I need a miracle today. Bless me, Lord. And the Lord walks out there and goes, sorry, you ain't got no room. Your cranium is so full of other stuff, I can't even bless you. We have got to increase capacity, not just on Sunday, but through the week. We got to move some things around. We got to make room. We got to get some things out of our life and out of our schedule and out of our eye, out of our attention span so that God can actually bless us the way He wants us to. The Shunammite woman built a room onto her house so the man of God could stay. She increased her capacity and it resulted in the resurrection of her child. There would be many here today that God would love to grant you a miracle, but you don't have the spiritual capacity for it. The quickest way 
for you to feel the hands of the master wrap around you and begin to use you for his service is to create capacity in your life. So David Watts says, the first thing I look at is how much can it carry? Increase capacity. One of the other key factors that Signal Ocean said goes into valuing the vessel is number two, the yard that the vessel was built in. Where was this vessel built? The yard it was built in. Shipyards are like any other major industry. They develop a reputation over time of either being excellent or inferior. Much can be known about a vessel just by finding out who was allowed to mold, shape, or craft that particular vessel. Despite what a vessel may look like on the outside, what shiny features can be seen on the exterior. If Signal and David Watts knew it was shaped in a shipyard known for mediocrity. It was immediately devalued. I know it looks good on the outside, but I know where it was made. I know whose hands have been on it. I know the craftsmanship that comes out of that. So it is with vessels of honor and dishonor. Much can be determined and much value can be assessed by finding out what kind of influences are being allowed to craft and shape a vessel. What voices are allowed to shape the thinking of this vessel? What influences on a daily basis have access through the core of this vessel? Has this vessel been submitted to the master builder? Or does it have a reputation for wanting to do its own thing? Come on, somebody. You want to be a vessel that God reaches up and picks and uses, and God won't be anointed. I want to be used of God. I want to make a difference in my world. When they put me in the ground, I want a legacy to be left behind. Let me tell you, the quickest way to do that is to make absolutely sure that the influences and the voices in your life are of God. You have spiritual authority. You have spiritual covering. You have spiritual accountability in your life. So many times I am asked to counsel people through spiritual landmines and because they did not allow me to be their covering, I am now left trying to pick up the pieces. Let me just challenge you right now. Get spiritual covering in your life. Get spiritual accountability in your life. Make sure there's godly men and women in your life that are crafting and molding and shaping and influencing you because if you want to be a vessel that God uses, what you allow to influence you will ultimately determine your value. Vessels that are meet for the master's use, that are serviceable to the master, always have voices in their life that have veto power. Brethren, you got that other slide? Veto power. If I asked you right now, thank you. If I asked you right now, is there anybody in your life that could tell you no about anything. Who would that person be? What spiritual authority in your life could come to you right now and say, I 
allow you to speak into my life and say no. If you cannot readily point to that person right now, and if that person doesn't verify it. <laughs> Maybe people say, well, pastor, he, he could be the one. I'm like, mm, I ain't been able to tell you no in years. <laughs> right? The last time I told you no, you pounded for two weeks. Come on, somebody. We're going to preach or we're going to play. You've got to have somebody in your life that can say, that's not a good idea. Don't go there. Don't do that. That's not a good relationship. That's not a good idea. And to know that in that moment, you may not see it the way it needs to be seen. You may not have the proper perspective. You may not be able to view it through the lens of God, being able to understand and know in this moment, I've got to have people like a vessel that molds and crafts, people that are qualified, people that love me, people that care about me, that are shaping me because I want to be a vessel. That God uses. What kind of voices or advices shape your thinking, your attitude, or your actions? Whose hands have been in your life crafting and molding your moral guidelines? Does Hollywood tell you what to wear? Or does the Bible? Come on, somebody. Does the Holy Ghost tell you what to say and do? Or does modern culture? Do your peers tell you what to listen to and what to watch and how to act? Or have you submitted yourself to the master builder and the spiritual authority in your life uh, saying it matters because one day I want to be used by God and I've got to be a vessel that is molded and crafted by the master builder. I want his influences. I want his spirit. I want his word. I want his man, his woman uh, operating in my life. Because the value of vessel is determined by who is allowed to craft, shape, mold, and speak into that vessel's life. The third major factor is the main navigation routes to date this vessel has taken. The main navigation routes to date this vessel has taken. Does this vessel have a proven track record of overcoming some major storms? When David Watts would look at a vessel, he would ask the question, where has it been? Tell me some of the routes that it's been on, some of the waterways, some of the places that it has gone. Does it have a history of overcoming some major storms and traveling in some major navigational routes? Or... Has this vessel spent most of its time anchored at some port, stationary, motionless? Or does it have a resume of a vessel that has endured a few stormy journeys and yet still remains intact? Let me tell you something right now. It's a lie from the devil that tries to tell you because of your mistakes, you're a vessel that God can't use. I would say because you've overcome some things, because you've been through a few storms, because you've been down a highway or two, and yet you are still here. You're still serving God. You're still praising God. Because of that, you're a vessel that God can look at saying, hey, they can go through a storm and come out on the other side. They can go through some things. They can have a bad day. They can go through a tough season. And I know they'll still remain intact. 
Can I tell you today, the master is not looking for perfection. He's looking for someone that can go through the process, through the storm, through a season that they're not proud of when they made a mistake, when they fell down, when they're ashamed of what they've done. But they got up and they continued on. They continued serving God. They continued praying. They continued praising God. That is a vessel that God can use. Look at the people God used throughout the Bible. And I won't take the time to go down the list today, but you won't find perfection. You won't find people that never made a mistake. You'll find people that had all kinds of egregious errors, but they got up and they asked God to forgive them. And they moved on. They've been down the highway of regret. They've been down the highway of mistakes. But somehow through it all, they come out on the other side. And there's value in a vessel that can endure a storm. kind of vessel that can be defined as honorable to the master and worthy of his use is a vessel that has endured a few things. Betrayed. Hurt. Abandoned. Lied on. Mistreated. Made to wait for an answer. Praying for a miracle for years. And despite all of that, it's not spiritually capsized. <laughs> Has not thrown their praise overboard. Still not letting what is on the outside get on the inside. Let me tell someone today, mistakes have not made you useless to the master if you're still upright and sailing. The master's not searching for the perfect. He's searching for the proven. The one who's been in a battle and is still afloat today. David Watts says, I want to know a vessel that can take a hit to the starboard side and still stay in the fight. That's what God is looking for. It's the kind of person God wants to feel and anoint and use. Someone that can go through a bad day and they don't blame God for it. Someone who can go through a trial and they don't blame the preacher for it. Someone who can go through a difficult time and they don't get mad at the church. They know, hey, it's life. It's the devil. It's just what I'm going through. It ain't nobody's fault. And what I ain't going to do is shake my finger and blame it somebody else. I'm going to keep praising God. Keep trusting Him. Keep doing what is right. And come out on the other side like Job. And when Job came out on the other side, God said, you know what? I can doubly bless him. I can give him more than he ever had before. Why? Because he's a vessel that's proven he can go through the storm. Can God trust you today with the storm? Can God trust you with the trial? Can God trust you with a crisis or a tragedy? Can you go through a storm and not spiritually capsize? I pray today if you want to be used of God that you prove to him, God, whatever I got to go through, whatever I got to endure, you can trust me. You can count on me. You can depend on me. I'll still serve you. Your mistakes do not devalue you unless you allow them to define you. I want to say it again. Your mistakes do not devalue you unless you allow them to define you. You know, a lot of ships are named after someone respected. The USS Ronald Reagan. Most states have a ship named after them. There's a USS North Carolina. It's probably camouflage. 
It's how they want to be recognized. It's how they want to be defined. Your mistakes should not define you. Meaning, this vessel has been through a storm. I've been through some things. I've made some mistakes, Pastor. I'm definitely not perfect. I've got some days I wish I could do something different. But if you look out there on the side of that vessel, it don't say defeated. It says an overcomer. It says resilient. It says USS determined. I will not allow my bad days become a bad week and my bad weeks become a bad month and bad months become a bad year and a bad year become a bad life. I am determined to be an overcomer. I'm going to sail through the storm. I'm going to go through this moment. I'm going to endure this moment. And when it's all said and done, God's going to find me a vessel that he can use. He's going to see in me a vessel he can put his spirit in. And then last but not least, no surprise here because I forced our AV team to put the slide up early. Thank you, Brother Shaw. Obedient as always, even when you know I'm about to make a mistake. This bump, brother. Flags that he has flown. Man, I'm telling you what, when I saw this right here, I come unglued. This is the kind of stuff they get a preacher running off the road right here. (laughs) It's the kind of stuff, Brother Ethan, me and you get in conversation with about an hour and a half. David Watts says, I can determine the value of a vessel by finding out what kind of flags have flown over that vessel. Signal Ocean will want to know if that ship has had accountability. If the ownership of the ship has changed hands many times, and has changed hand under questionable circumstances, the value of the vessel is immediately reduced. Meaning, if the appraisers for Signal Ocean walk onto the vessel, like you would go to appraise a house or look over a car, and they walk into the basement, I don't know what they call that in a boat, but in the bottom portion of a boat, and they find a whole lot of flags down there, that's a red flag. No accountability. No oversight. No loyalty. Thank God for apostolics that have never been intimidated by their identity. Thank God for young people that don't have a bunch of flags in the basement of the ship. They ain't got one for school, one for church, One for their friends, one for their parents, but they fly the apostolic flag wherever they go. This is who I am. I'm proud of it. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not changing who I am, how I act, just because of somewhere I'm at. Thank God for apostolics that are the same on Sunday as they are on the job on Monday. Can I tell you, the master finds value in the vessel that holds up the banner of truth. The master finds value in those that love the truth. Can I tell you, The Bible says, buy the truth and sell it not. You don't need a box full of flags. You need to obey the apostolic message. You need to sell out to God. You need to serve him with everything that you got and throw every plan B, every other option out the window. This is who I am. 
Young people don't spend half of your life trying to decide whether you're going to serve God or not. Go ahead and make up in your mind right now until the day God comes. I'm going to speak in tongues. I'm going to live holy. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to do what's right no matter what I'm going through. I want the enemy to look through the fog and see the banner of truth waving. You know why you can't win more souls? Why more people aren't boarding your ship? Because they can't decide what kind of flag you're flying. They don't know who you really are. They're still trying to see if your mind is made up. But when you throw everything else out the window and you make up in your mind, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to live. This is who I'm going to serve. They can then get on board with who you are. You know the kind of vessel God loads his cargo on? Those that don't change flags based on where they're sailing? If I show up on your job Sunday or Monday morning, am I going to see the same flag that I'm seeing today? Come on, young people, if I show up at your school next week, am I going to see the same flag that I'm seeing this morning? Are you still loving God? Are you still serving God? Are you still doing what's right? You're devalued when you don't understand the value of being loyal to God. God is looking for vessels that when in adverse waters, they don't send a guy up the pole to change the flag. Come on, somebody. I could preach about two hours on that right now. Every time you get into a trial and a tribulation and a tough time, you climb the pole and change the flag. I don't know if I'm going to do this or not. I thought God was going to give me that job. I didn't get that job. I think I'm going to take that flag down. I thought God would give me that boyfriend. I thought God would give me that girlfriend. I don't know about it now. If God don't answer your prayer, if your vending machine God don't give you B2, then all of a sudden you're climbing the pole and deciding whether you want to serve God or show up to church or pray or love God. You need to make up in your mind, this is who I am. Choose you this day whom you will serve. I'm sold out. I'm committed. This is the only person I'm going to be for all of my life. There's value in a vessel that says, this is who I am. Romans 1 and 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 8, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partakers of the afflictions of the gospel. According to the power of God. Woo. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ducking my head. I'm glad for the enemy to know this is who I am. Lord. I felt the Holy Ghost in the last statement that David Watts made. I was reading this article, I guess I was reading it out loud, or last statement I read. When he said this, A vessel that flies multiple flags and trades and navigates in forbidden waters will be devalued. Why? Why does a vessel lose value when it's in forbidden waters and when it flies all kinds of flags, allegiances to other places? Can't make up his mind who it belongs to. He 
he said this because a vessel that does that it raises an awareness with the adversaries that it doesn't play by the rules it's willing to negotiate it's willing to compromise that it's willing to misrepresent the flag or even change flags and because of this adversarial ships see them as easy targets I can pick that one off there's no accountability there nobody's going to come looking for that ship because they change flags every week nobody's out looking for them can I tell you insist on compromising and navigating in forbidden waters and walking the line and playing games with God you are an easy target for the enemy you're easy pickings why does pastor always preach about being faithful to church because if you're here all of the time and then when we don't see you we're checking on you we're praying for you we're reaching out for you but if when we don't know you're going to be here or not, we don't know what to do. And the enemy, the devil says, Oop, that's an easy one right there. Nobody's going to check on them. Nobody's even going to miss them if they're not there because they're not there all the time. When you make up in your mind, <laughs> this is who I'm going to be. I'm going to serve God. And I want the enemy to know I'm not sitting down and negotiating, talking about it, debating it, still trying to make up in my mind. I'm not playing around in forbidden waters. I'm not trying to walk the line. I'm not trying to see how much I can get by with without the pastor finding out. I'm not trying to see how close to the jagged edge of heaven I can walk and still not go to hell. I'm committed. I'm sold out. I'm not looking for gray area. I'm not looking for loopholes. I'm not looking for clauses or small print. I'm trying to see how close I can get to God. I'm trying to see how much of God's anointing that he can place in me I'm trying to determine if God can use me to change my community, reach my family, turn my world upside down. Stand with me, heads bowed and eyes closed as we prepare to take a moment to talk to God. I pray today there's somebody under the sound of my voice that wants to be used by God. I pray today there's somebody that came to church that's tired of just going through the motions and running around in circles and working for the man and just making money, paying bills, making money, paying bills. But somebody wants to live and serve and work for God. To do something that matters. To do something that will outlive you. To do something that will put treasures on the other side be a woman of God to be a man of God to be someone that can be anointed to be a vessel that God will reach into the sea of faces and pull out like David among brothers that seemed to be over more qualified than him God reached down for the young man that had capacity he reached down for the young man that Love God. 
worship him out on the hillside. He reached down for a young man that was flying the flag of God's love. And he used him. Is there anyone that's in church today that says, God, I want to be a vessel meet for the master's use. I want to be a vessel, God, that you can work through. If that's your desire today, I invite you to step out from where you're at. Make your way down to this altar and commit your life wholly and completely to Him. No reservations. I'm not thinking about it. I'm not contemplating it. I'm not trying to explore my options. I'm not trying to find out what else I may do. I've already made up my mind. This is what I'm going to I'm going to serve God all the days of my life. I'm going to be what God has called me to be. Come on, somebody. Is there anybody here today that says, God, I can go through a storm and still serve you. I can, I can experience ridicule, rejection, and mockery, and I still serve you. I can be made fun of, and I'm still going to serve God. Spirit, fill them 